Disclaimer, we are not doctors or scientists. We are simply defenders of the imagination. This is not a safe place to affirm your beliefs and opinions. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to another episode of the Imaginarium of Thought. And today we have a very special guest, Matt from the Great Deception Podcast. What's going on, man? What's up, guys? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. uh, Glad to have you on. Uh, You know, and uh, ever since I started this podcast journey, dude, like when I did that, uh, when I told my story with Ryan or whatever, um, you were like one of the first people that followed me. I remember because I saw like when you first put out your first episode about Disney um, or was it the first episode was about Disney? It was I think one it was. of the first. Yeah, it one was one of the first. Yeah, I, I don't even remember anymore. Like the first couple <laughs> of blur, but I know I know the first one I called like a mission statement or something like that. But yeah, it was. Oh, that's of- right. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you up. No, 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 I was just gonna say it was one of the first. Yeah, that was the 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 one that got me going for sure. Yeah, and then of course, as our audience knows, because you've allowed us to, you know, share the the audio on our feed as uh, the Monday Night Masturbators. So I remember you starting that up, and it just like blowing up. And it's honestly, uh, it's one of my shows that I listen to every week. Like, you know, it's on the list. You know, I gotta check out. Uh, What's going on with the boys? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny you say that too, because I, I just, I kind of started that because I was like, you know what? I don't, I'm not very good at interviews, you know, like one-on-one, like, you know, pulling stuff out of people because I just want to, you know, just have a conversation with them. I don't really like to go in and dig and, and, and there's other people that are really good at doing interviews. So I was like, you know what? there's a lot of people I want to talk to, but I think it's a lot cooler to talk to them in kind of like an open forum. So there, and I think we've gotten a few extra people on the show because it's not, you know, just a straight interview show. It's more, uh, come on. Well, if there's a topic you guys want to hit on specifically, great. Otherwise we're going wherever the conversation goes. And it's, it's been so much fun to do, man. We've had, yeah, you know, and, and it's funny because you every week, week to week, we rarely know what you know we're going to cover. It kind of pops up, and whatever's in the news, or you know, somebody's doing research on. Um, and every now and then, we'll have like a specific topic that we'll do, and those are fun too because you know that's when we bring in like a real you know subject matter expert and and let them just kind of present to us, and we kind of shoot back at them and then you know talk about whatever they're presenting so it's been it's been a lot of fun man and met a lot of cool people 
uh, like I said, had a lot of cool conversations and, uh, and it, people seem to enjoy it. I mean, it's funny when people are like, you know, like you say, yeah, we, I, I just check in every week. There's a, quite a few people that listen each and every week. And it's like, man, that's, that's cool. Cause you know, when I started this, I'm like, man, if I get 10 people to listen to this thing, it's, it's going to be like amazing. And then, uh, you slowly watch the numbers grow and, you know, I've been doing it for like two and a half years now. So it's, uh, it's been fun, man. Oh yeah, dude. And, uh, oh, sorry. Zach. No, go ahead. I was going to say, uh, so what's the origins of, uh, Monday night masturbators? Like what's how how the, the name came to be. <laughs> dude, I love, uh, like Andres and, and plays on words and, you know, cause I've always been one that's pushed the boundaries with language. Like I was always testing as a kid. Like I loved curse words. I thought they were the coolest thing ever. And, uh, you know, so I got in trouble a lot in school with that kind of stuff. So I figure, Hey, you know, this is kind of a double entendre because, yeah, it's the Monday night, mat. you know, we, we want to have good debates. But at the same time, we're basically masturbating here. I mean, we <laughs> we are no by no means experts on anything. So it's more just, you know, people coming on and shooting the shit. So it's it's kind of on double uh, double fronts there. I love that, too, because it's. It's like you said, you can be discussing a variety of topics, but then at the end of the day, you've got like the name of the podcast and it's just, it's kind of lighthearted and I like to have a little bit of fun on top of all that. It's kind of like, I feel like it's kind of me and Ron's vibe too. We get into some serious stuff, but at the end of the day, it is just a lot of fun and you get to kind of joke around with stuff like that. You have to though, right? I mean, if you just, if you're serious, 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 it, it's tough to stay engaged and you got to have fun with this stuff, especially some of the weird stuff we talk about, you know, I mean, it's not like we're talking about run of the mill stuff all the time. So to have a little humor with it and, and to, to present it from a couple different angles is great. I think that's how we get more people interested in the quote unquote weird stuff. Yeah. And, and uh, also it's, it's to get into it, like, um, you know, with the whole uh, occultism and things like that and occult knowledge, whatever you want to say, like uh, a lot of it is like has to do with like sexuality, like sexual organs and the process. So just like with every conversation, right, it is kind of like masturbating, right? There's a little friction, you know, <laughs> a little back and forth. <laughs> and then eventually you get to the climax, boom, of the topic. And then it starts to, you know, you start to wind down the conversation and blend into another topic you know what i mean so do we're making, you know. making love each and every night <laughs> i guess well, I, uh, this oh sorry yeah i was just gonna say like matt for maybe like our our newer listeners that are just starting and haven't heard how did you you know what got you into podcasting and what was kind of the, the start of that for you uh, i had listened to podcasts for years um and then probably about 2019 into 2020 i started uh like dming podcasts you know new ones that i liked and and started talking to these people and, and started dialogues and a couple of them had me on their show i had never you know done anything my thing was kind of back in the day uh on twitter i did a couple threads on uh 
a couple different topics, you know, like paperclip and and dark side of Disney and things like that. So dark side of Disney was kind of what I, I got into this with was showing people some of the stuff I had found there in my research. And uh, from there, after doing it a few times, you kind of catch the bug and you're like, ah, well, I, I might as well if I'm doing it for everybody else, I might as well do it for myself because every now and then, you know, when I was first starting out, people would ask, hey, have you researched this or, you know, you want to look at this and come on my show? And I'm like, yeah, sure. So I, I deep dive into these topics and then go on other people's show and present. And I was like, you know what, I might as well do it myself. And and I love that stuff. Like I'm kind of OCD when it comes to research. And I like to, you know, get down to the nitty gritty and really dig deep on topics. And uh, you know, a lot of people do good research, but it's very surface level, you know, and I like to just go a little bit deeper than that. I'm not claiming to be better than anybody else, but I like to really go back. My, my thing is old books. I really love to go back and, and look at the old books and see what was happening at that time. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff as I found over the years that they just don't flat out don't teach you whether it's intentional or they just don't have enough time, there's a lot of crazy things that have gone on. I mean, even in this country, which is only a couple hundred years that they don't teach you. And you're like, wait a second, this happened here, you know, like in the 1800s, which, you know, sounds like it was a long time ago, but it's a little over, you know, 125 years ago. So it's, it's just wild. And so as I was getting into it, I started, you know, doing my own research. And that's kind of why I veered off. And I tried a couple interviews in the beginning with my podcast. And I just didn't feel like it went well. Um, I didn't feel like I was bringing a whole lot to the table with my interview skills or hosting skills. So I, I pulled the plug on that and just decided, you know what, I'm going to present deep dives and do this stuff myself. And then you know, probably a couple months into it, I was like, you know what, I need to expand a little bit. And that's when I came up with the master debaters and we're on what we just hit a hundred, a couple, two months ago. So been doing a few of those. Yeah. And, and I don't think you, you, you've ever missed a week. I missed one in 2021 because uh -huh. I had COVID and oh, I yeah, literally, yeah did not leave my bed for three days. It was one of those where I was sweating and hallucinating. And I, I know I handed it off to, to Joe from legit bat apparently. And there is an episode they recorded. I don't know if it's even on my feed, but I know that uh, Joe and Ryan and a couple other people were on there and they did it for me. And I was really thankful for it. But at the same time, I was like, man, that it was so crazy because i just I, I was in it happened like i got it like monday morning and by like mid-afternoon i was like delirious so but ever since then yeah and unfortunately with the way the end of this year falls we're i'm probably going to take the last two weeks off because the last uh monday in december is christmas and then the last uh for first in january is the first so piss poor timing there yeah. I mean, at, at the end of the day, I mean, you got to 
uh, take care of uno, uh, numero uno, you know? Oh, Whatever. yeah. That's the other thing. Like, and, and it's funny because when you get into it, there's a lot of people that take it super serious. And, you know, you kind of have to keep things in perspective because, you know, I think some people let their podcast go to their head a little bit and they think it's a little bigger than it is. And it's like, guys, you know, none of us are, are, are making money off this thing. So stop, like, take a deep breath and you can take some time off. And I even have to tell myself that like every now and then, because I'm always anxious about getting new material out just because, hey, I like doing the research. But on the other side, I, you know, I like to give people new stuff and start new conversations. And, but at the other time, it, it takes a lot of work to put those things out. I mean, for like a, you know, a, a two, two and a half hour presentation, I probably, it probably takes me three, four weeks to put that thing together and, you know, polish it up nice. And with my OCD, I have to go back and keep checking it and re-editing and things like that. But uh, in the end, they get out, but it, it's fun, man. I love it. And, and like, you know, Never would have met you guys. Never would have, you know, had some cool conversations with a lot of people. So I'm, I'm definitely thankful for that and, uh, and enjoy doing it in the end, you know, and when it doesn't, it's not fun anymore. I will have no problem just shutting it down and moving on. Yeah. There's been a lot of like really cool podcasts that have, that have come and gone, you know, like, uh, for just popping in my mind is the two Kyles, you know, uh, yep. Uh, uh, big dub and uh, um, conspiracy in the force, right? I think that's what it was. Yep. Uh, so it's just like, man, it's like, <laughs> but you know, at the end of the day, you know, we're all just human beings and we're just doing our thing. But yeah, podcasting, it does like, that's why I like having guests on because you don't have to really do any research. Yep. <laughs> you just kind of have them come on and like let, let, you know, let them talk about whatever, you know, they know and, but uh, with doing research, sometimes you just keep hitting a wall. And just like we were talking about with, you know, the esoteric, you know, way things work, um, you kind of got to be in the mood. Like, I can't sit there and research conspiracy, dark conspiracy theory stuff. I'm not really in the mood to look at that stuff. You know, I'm vibing, having a good time. I'm not, I can't really do research about Pizzagate or whatever, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, you're right. I mean, that's that's one of the things I've noticed lately, too, is. If I'm not feeling it, I'm not doing it. In the beginning, I forced it a lot. You know, I treated it like it was kind of a job and and I put myself on a schedule. Like I had to get out an episode, you know, on this day. So it was, you know, basically the old proverbial shit or get off the pot. So I would force myself to do it. But and now I'm with you, Ron. There's there's days where I'm like, okay, I'm not doing anything today. I'm not feeling it, I'm not touching, I'm not picking up my computer, I'm not picking up any books. It is what it is. And I'll maybe think about doing it tomorrow. And and you're right. If you're not feeling it, man, it makes it. Then I think that's when you start not liking it anymore. Right? Yeah. And that, that's when you, that's when it's time to really check it. But at this point, man, there's still, and, or you know what the other thing is? Maybe go research something else. That's the other thing too. I've noticed you keep going down dark holes. You're going to, play with the darkness and there's a lot of stuff out there that you know it's worth knowing but going real deep into it man it can it can eat at your soul yeah, yeah it's I, weird I, though like oh, i'm sorry Zach. no you're good i was just saying i love hearing that you like 
that it's like fun to you to research stuff like that because I think it's really when it the content you put out you can tell the difference it's when it's really good because you actually are just enjoying it and like you said you're not having to research it like it's a job so um there again for like people that might not know what are what are some of like your favorite issues Matt I know you said that like on the the Monday night show it's kind of free willing but as as far as like on your own time what are some of your favorite topics to kind of go down the rabbit hole on my my favorite is the what they you would call the old world basically you know the and not going way way back i'm not talking ancient greece and ancient rome that kind of stuff like more the eight, you know late 1700s 1800s um big i i've done a lot of research on the world's fairs from you know the mid 1800s through early 1900s uh, that's a fun topic. I love looking at uh, old cathedrals, um, free energy topics, things like that, like possibly sacred geometry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sacred geometry is one that I really like looking at. And, you know, I in my show up until recently, I've, I've avoided a lot of political stuff and, and gotten into a lot of mainly old topics. You know, one of my bigger shows is uh couple a series that i did on operation paperclip um another one i I look through jim mars and his work on the fourth reich and things like that so even my research kind of goes all over the place but the thing that interests me the most is the 1800s i'm just i'm fascinated between the natural disasters that happened then the fires in almost every major city, if not one, but multiple fires, um, all these just, it just seems like a really wild and chaotic time. And I don't think we're given the real picture of it and, and, and are able to understand the scope of it through, you know, what they give us in the education system. And I, I think it's kind of intentional because I think that's, you know, you look at where we are now and a lot of people talk about, uh, you know, a great reset and we're in a time of reset. Well, if you go back to the mid late 1800s, I think you're in the exact same thing. I mean, it seems like that was a, a point at which there was a reset taking place. And, and, you know, what, in essence, what a reset is, is really just a transition from one way to another. And, uh, I think, you know, when you start looking at it and it's interesting because I, re- I, I really got into the world fairs. Well, then that starts bringing you into other stuff and, you know, all these dots start connecting in this web of stuff that you didn't really think was connected before. And you're like, you sit back and you, you look at it and you're like, wow, it's amazing. The level of this now does every is everyone that involved know they're involved no there's a lot of just people that are part of it um but when it boils down to it in the end it's a very compartmentalized structure whether it's you know world's fairs they had that compartmentalized into different subcategories of people that controlled certain things you know from the architecture to the landscaping to the um bringing in the different countries and uh, vendors, companies to come uh, exhibit at their fairs. I mean, these things were just massive productions. Oh, Zach, uh, do you, do you, oh, sorry. Um, 
Uh, you know about the World's Fairs at all, Zach? I mean, obviously, I'm like what they are, but then that's not definitely not a topic I've ever really researched very much. Well, if you want to, if you want to talk real quick, I'll give you a uh, a very very brief overview of probably my favorite topic, which is the 1893 Chicago World Fair. Definitely. So, what we have is this is. Uh, supposed to be 1892. It was supposed to be the um, 400 year anniversary of Columbus. And this was the big uh, exposition they wanted to host. Now, when we're, we're looking at these things, Zach, what you have to understand, first of all, you're in the 1800s. Okay. So we're in a very different time period uh, from means of travel, lifestyle, um, money, education, very different world we're in. And all of a sudden what they do is they have these world fairs. Now, Chicago, for example, it was in a battle with New York to, to host the fair. Chicago eventually won. They got, and, and what it is, much like some of the wars that take place, what the battle was between New York and Chicago was a battle between bankers and big money guys. You know, you're talking the J.P. Morgans, the Rockefellers. They're jockeying back and forth for who's going to get the fair in their in their city. Mm-hmm. And because what it is, is, you know, it, it, you would think this is going to bring in big money. Right. If you have all these big money guys involved. And we'll get to that in a minute. So what happens is they Chicago wins the rights. Now, if you know anything about old Chicago, it's a swamp. It's not the you know greatest place to build on but apparently in 1890 they won the rights to the fair in 1891 and began construction so they had to dredge the swamp they had to somehow get foundation and you know get it ready enough for foundation for approximately 200 buildings now when I say 200 buildings, you have to put this into perspective. About half of those buildings are look like Rome. Okay. And anybody that's wondering about this now, just Google 1893 Chicago World Fair and then go click on images and, and see what I'm talking about. <laughs> it, it, it's crazy because supposedly in 18 months, they dredged the swamp they landscaped over 600 acres and built over 200 buildings. Now, when I'm talking about these buildings, you don't, you can't comprehend. Think ancient Rome, right? Think Colosseum, think uh, Acropolis, think all of the, you know, the Roman columns, these massive buildings. One of the buildings was the biggest building in the world at the time that they, you know, built in less than 18 months. It could hold up to 300,000 people at a time. Now for anybody that really doesn't understand, you know, I can't comprehend what that means. It's three football stadiums, you know, three college football stadiums, which hold a hundred thousand people each. And they, they almost filled it for the opening ceremony. They are, I mean, the, the, part of it. They filled a hunt over a hundred thousand for the opening ceremony, but they build these massive buildings. Now they tell you 
they're temporary and they're just for the fair. Now you look at them and you know you 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 really have to see it to understand it, but these a lot of these buildings don't look like they're built with wood and 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 they say, you know, it's the equivalent of paper mache. It's called staff. It's a it's a plaster mix and then supposedly they paint it over it. Well, for Chicago they build all these buildings. Now, what's the name of the the fair? They call Chicago the Great White City. And this is the Columbian Exposition. So anybody that knows anything about, uh, do a little research into Columbia, the goddess Columbia and what she stands for. And when you start looking at it, what is going on at this time? This is the, you know, the explosion, supposedly, of the Industrial Revolution, the what you know the the colonizers would like to think of as the whitening of the world right they're starting to bring their culture and their lifestyle around the world they call this fair the great whites you know they call chicago the great white city the great white fair it's has a very weird feel to it like people were brought here to see certain things and now what did these buildings have Think of like your state fair and then put that on steroids because they would have, um, you know, countries come from around the world and present their foods, lifestyles, things like that. They would have different companies come and present their innovations, technologies, things like that, um, home improvement, things, anything, you know, you, you name it, it was it was there. And this, because this was the place to show. And it was almost like they were showing you, okay, here's what we're going to be giving you in the new world. And this is what you had in the old world. Let's forget about that. And, you know, we'll kind of get to that in a second. Now, how many people came to this fair? Now, the fair, mind you, ran from May to October. So a little over six months. Supposedly 27 million people came to Chicago to see this fair. Now, at the time, Chicago's population was about 3 million. So, you know, from... That's a crazy number. I'm sorry. Damn, 27 million. Yeah. yeah. Goodness. It's, it's just, it's, it's mind-blowing. And, you know, you look at the pictures, which, and there's so many layers to this thing, you know, from the players that are involved... One of the guys that was in uh, the architects dies right after they win the bid. Another one dies on the on the Titanic. Um, just weird things that go on. And again, it's it's a lot of the you know the guys you see in the black hats, um, the the upper class, the uh, parasite class that are you know doing a lot of the bidding and stuff for these things. But when these people are brought in. You know, they're walking around and you look at the pictures and and even one of the uh, books or movies I was watching on it said that these people are walking around almost like they're under a spell because they're looking at this stuff like they were placed there in a out of a as a time traveler, <laughs> you know, like they were put here and they're like, wow, I don't recognize any of this. I don't know where I am, what's going on. And there were people that came from all over the world to these fairs so 
You go through, it goes the six months. Well, we get towards the end and what happens? The day before the fair is supposed to end, the mayor of Chicago is assassinated. So you have, a, you know, the fair end abruptly. Now, along the way, there were a couple fires and, uh, and, and some things that happened at the fair. You know, no major deaths or, or death toll or anything like that. But one of the things that we talked about before, I said the buildings were temporary. And when they were supposedly drafting up the, the plans for the fair, they said that, you know, this fair has to go out in the same blaze of glory that it came in on. So their plan was to, out of the 200 buildings they built, uh, less than a handful were going to be saved. Um, one was going to be a permanent building. And, and in every fair, and this is what's interesting about these world fairs, in every fair, one or two buildings is said to be a permanent structure. And what it is, it's usually the, the arts building because the only way they could get the insurance to have these very lavish and expensive pieces to be brought to these fairs was to to have an insurable building and they so these buildings were built of you know granite marble stone they weren't built of wood and staff like the rest of the fairs were now so chicago makes it through and then all of a sudden boom fire then a couple months later, another fire. And then finally, they're like, okay, well, most of this stuff is burnt. They're, and they have a ceremony where they light a effigy of the statue of the goddess Columbia. And they light her on fire. And that's the ceremonial end to the fair. So you look at it and you're like, okay, well... 27 million people went there. Now there's nothing left. They burnt it all down except for one building, which still stands today. And that's, uh, it was the, I forgot what it is right now, but it was the art, liberal arts building. It's, it was the, uh, the fine arts building in Chicago. But anyway, you had all these people coming. Well, what was the purpose Obviously, it was to make money. Well, no. Chicago made money. All the other fairs lost significant money. And so you're thinking, and they kept having them year after year after year. And everyone tried to outdo the pr previous one in, in, um, in one way or another, just to show that their city was a little bit better. And so... You look at these things and you think about the people that are running them and you're, you know, they don't like to lose money. So how do you have these fairs over and over again if they're not making money? They must have another purpose. And I think a lot of the purpose was to indoctrinate these people because there wasn't the massive public education system at the time. And what they would do is bring these people in and at the fairs, they, you know, you would get a journal and people would go around and write in their journal. And um, I don't know if you're familiar with the orphan trains or not, but around this same time frame, there's a slew of orphans being moved around the country on what are called orphan trains. And one of the stops of the orphan trains was usually the World Fair. And what these kids would do is they would go and they would get 
indoctrinated or, you know, trained as to whatever the fair wanted to present to them. And, uh, and it was anything, you know, they had everything from, like I was saying, home related to political, to different government factions, to education, to agriculture, um, uh, machines, anything, technology, anything that you could think of, this was the spot to be at. And so, and this happened over and over and they still happen today. They're not as big of a thing today. I think the last one was like 2021 in, in Dubai, I want to say it was either Dubai or Abu Dhabi. It was somewhere over in the middle East, but is that where they were showing off that Android like citizen or whatever. Yeah. It, Sa- it, I think it's Saudi Arabia. <laughs> well, that was Sophia. And Sophia, okay. yeah, that was, that was a little before then, but yeah, in 2021, supposedly the, the big thing, I think if I remember correctly, was the 15 minute cities and the digital IDs, digital passports. So those were kind of the two things they were showcasing over there. And, you know, if you know anything about history, they always like to wrap a steaming pile of shit with a bow on top and (laughs) tell you it's something it's not right. So uh, these world fairs, as much as you want to believe they were just this, you know, grand presentation of the greatness. Well, if we'll go back to Chicago for a second, they had human zoos. Now you're like, wait, what's a human zoo? It's what it sounds like. It is a, an exhibit set up where they bring in people that are native to other places and have them live out their lives in the setting that was set up for them. So they had, you know, an Eskimo village, they had um, an African village, they had all of these things and people would come and watch these people like animals. And a lot of, a lot of people died Um, a lot of the, you know, the exhibit, uh, I don't even know, they're not performers, but the, the souls that were brought in, they, they ended up dying just because the conditions were so bad and, you know, they didn't adapt to being brought over here and dropped into this world fair. And so when, when this stuff happened, well, what they would do is then they'd use the, the, the corpses for research. So it's this really twisted, like (laughs) it kind of dominoes into so many different aspects. And that's why it's tough to give like a real quick overview of the world's fairs because they're such a deep topic, but, you know, just to understand it, it's, you know, it was back then they were kind of to show that the colonizers were taking control that this was the new age, that they were going to make the rules. And this is where you see allopathic medicine rolled in. This is where you see big oil rolled in. This is where you see, you know, everything. It's the industrial revolution. So they're selling you this. And we're going from, you know, what I consider the old world, where things were a lot more natural, a lot more connected to the earth and, uh, to this new synthetic world where, you know, they were going to give you, uh, electricity and they were going to give you you know, combustion engines and all this stuff and medicine and 
pharmaceuticals and all this stuff. They were going to make your life so much better. And uh, it's gotten us to where we are today. I, th I think, uh, you know, because when you look at a lot of the greatest uh, scientists and inventors of, of like, you know, the 1700s, 1800s, they were all deep into what you, you know, the occult, the esoteric uh, con concepts, you know, you know, the sacred geometry and all that, that kind of stuff. Like, but I feel like with this World's Fair, like you were saying, it, it's almost like they put a cap on on limitations of what of what's possible and what 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 real science is you know like i don't know if you ever heard about the experiment with the fleas in the jar yes yeah and i think i think yeah. that that's exactly what what it is ron right they're mm -hmm. they're starting to tell you right they're starting to create dependent slaves right is the way i look at it they're starting to let you know that you need them and they're going to give you what you need but you just have to obey you know, you have to follow these certain guidelines. You have to go to school. You have to get a job. You have to do this. You have to do, you have to check all these boxes. And if you do, they'll give you whatever you want. You know, that's the American dream, right? And that's what they sold you on. And little did they know that behind the scenes, it was the American nightmare because they were going to tax the hell out of you. You weren't going to be represented by your government and your government was going to be taken over by corporations. And and now you are where you are because for years and years you trusted and you obeyed and they indoctrinated the people so well. And, you know, that's one of the things I one of the facets of these World's Fairs that I, I, I feel like they played an instrumental role in this Um reset of the late 1800s into the 1900s so so it's cool to get like, to hear about that i was just saying it's really cool to get to hear about that because as somebody that hadn't really researched it before i would you know you would think it was more like a like an expo like a i don't know i would think it was a positive thing but to hear to hear the, that kind of side of it it definitely makes sense it sounds i don't know it just it just makes more sense it's really weird to hear to get to hear it from that perspective that well, yeah, even the even the, like a lot of the construction, Zach, there's a lot of questions on that. I've been, you know, researching this fair for over three years, four years now, and I have a couple thousand construction photos and it's tough to tell whether they're building the building or dismantling the building, you know, and they claim uh, you know, you start looking and I have a, a bunch of just specifically construction photo books and you start piecing their timeline together and all of a sudden you go from a frame a framed building to in less than 30 days it's a completely finished building and again we're talking buildings that are taking up 15 acres we're not talking about you know a house it hits so these massive structures went up in in astronomical times, you know, 18 months to construct 200 buildings. And, and when you look at the pictures, that's when it really blows your mind because you see the landscaping. It's not like, you know, today. It's nothing like anything you've seen today. It's like going back into a time warp into ancient Rome. These buildings are magnificently done. They're all painted white. They almost glow. There's statues. There's water fountains. And we're again we're talking 1893 there's lights at night this place lights up 
And so not only did you, did they construct all these buildings, but they had to run all the plumbing, run all the electricity, and there was never any incident with electrical failures, electrical faults, anything like that. They like what kind of, because you know everything's direct current, right? Like what kind of tech, what kind of electricity were they using back then? You know? Well, and that's the interesting thing, right? Because right around this time, Ron, it is when Tesla and Edison are battling. This is when you have the battle for power. And I think this is, this was their last thing they, you know, cause they already, they had taken over the education or they're not education. That was much later. The uh, medicine, they're into the medicine system already. They're, they're pushing the, their way, getting rid of naturopathy, any, anything natural. They're getting you into these synthetic drugs. And I, I think it was a push across the board and you, you see it over and over that this is where there was a real transfer of power. It went from the, this real small group took over and they really steered things in a certain direction. And, and, you know, I've played taking control ever since. And, and what's being built up at this time also around the world, all these central banks, right? That's, that's what almost all the world wars are ever over is, is banking and central banks. And this is where you start seeing these central banks start popping up all over the world at this same time. And uh, also, like you, I remember you were mentioning about the Titanic. I don't know if you, you know about that conspiracy, Zach, about how uh, supposedly a lot of the people who are opposing like the central banks and stuff like that, the big bankers were uh, on the Titanic when it yeah, sunk. That one I definitely have heard of. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so that was, you know, and, and you saw there was some ties there. And then when you get into even like the architects, the big names in there, and I have uh, my good friend Matthew Smith is is an architect and, you know, went through schooling and he has his opinions on some of these guys. And it, it feels like with a lot of these guys, there was buildings here and they just claim them and they 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 made a story that it was their project. They had done it. Some of these architects were doing 80, 90 projects. And we're not, again, we're not talking real small mom and pop jobs here. We're talking large scale, massive efforts. And they're just cranking them out all over the place. They're them and their companies and rebuilding America. Right. And this is that time, that in-between time where you're still getting a lot of the old architecture where they put a lot of effort into it. It's a lot of stone, um, a lot of intricacies and detail to the buildings. Um, and then all of a sudden, what do we have? We have the Civil War, which destroys a, a tremendous amount of uh, infrastructure in, in America then you, well, we can't let Europe not feel the pain too. And we go through World War One and World War Two, and you look at the destruction that that did over there. I mean, it, not many buildings were left from the old world after that. And then fast forward yeah. another, another 50 years, and we did the same, we've done the same thing in the Middle East for the last three decades. Yeah, just going and destroying all the old shit. So just like 
It's yeah, it makes no sense, Ron. Like when you, I mean, I remember vividly in the Syria war. Um, well, I mean, you can't call it a war because it was never declared, but the, you know, the, when they were trying to get rid of the Syrian president, the ISIS, supposedly the first thing they did was just go to these old sites and just start defacing them like hammer and chisels. Then they brought in, yeah. oh, that wasn't enough. So they blow up, like they blew up some Buddha statue that had been there for centuries. And, you know, you look at some of these bombing campaigns, even going back to World War II, like the bombing of Dresden was totally unnecessary. And you look at the devastation that that did, not only, you know, to the people, but to the old buildings in Dresden, it's, it's despicable. I mean, it's just... You can't even understand it. And so, I, I mean, anybody that's listening, I recommend just go look at, you know, late 1800s, early 1900s, these cities, and then look at them today and tell me that we've, you know, we are the most advanced and civilized people ever because it seems like we might have taken a step back in, in some aspects of our lives. Well, like I, I like the intro to Monday Night Masturbators, uh, the idiocracy. I love you know, what you have those lines in there. <laughs> so your chart says you know, your shit's all fucked up. Yeah, talk like a fag, you know. I mean, it's but it's true. It's it's where we are. Like you look at how crazy things are, and how itty, you know, idiocracy. They're just moronic right now. It seems like they just don't care. And they'll let anything go. I mean, you start, whether it's, you know, the scam in Ukraine to what's going on in the Middle East to Fluvid to the vaccine, you know, whatever it is, anything. It was, it's all bullshit. And it, 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 they want to push this narrative on you. And the problem is today with, with social media and the internet there's too many eyes and, and everybody's just destroys the narrative right away and, and pokes holes in it. And the best part about that is things like this podcasts, you know, the alternative media, the non-corporate media, because I wouldn't call it mainstream media anymore because I think that the alternative media is much bigger than mainstream media these days. Um, and that's why I, I just call it corporate media because it's the bought and sold media. They're, you know, they're, they're working for their advertisers. They're not working for you and I, they're not presenting us with legitimate journalism anymore. They're presenting programming and it's gotten more blatantly obvious over the last, you know, I mean, if anybody hasn't seen it in the last decade, uh, I mean, I don't know, you must live in the, in, in the mountains somewhere, and, but <laughs> It's bad. And I think that's, it's just them cranking it up a little bit more. I think they've been gradually doing this for the past, you know, 200 years. The, um, there was something I was just going to say too. Uh, uh, there, oh yeah. The reason why I feel like people are drawn to Monday night master debaters is because it's like just people being like genuine, you know, like, of course you, uh, you got everyone puts on a mask, right? Every there's different layers. You got your, I don't know if you heard about the whole uh, type of personality you have to your front yard, right? That's that's what everyone. That's how you want people to see you from a distance. Yep. 
you got your living room, that's people you let in. And then you got the bedroom, that's for the people who know you the closest. So everyone kind of wears a mask, but at the same time, like you got, you know, when you're on there in the show, you're just, you know, speaking whatever you want to say. It's And it's it's not this uh, filtered conversation that that you see on like social media and stuff like yeah, yeah, I want it to be real, man. You know, yeah. I, and that's why I like when people get nervous about coming on, I'm like, no, I'm like, just be you. I'm like, it's going to be a conversation. It's going to be. And that's why I like to have when I started it, I wanted to have like five or six people on each show. And as I got into it, one, you realize that getting that many people to commit and get them to show up, it was nearly impossible. And two, you have too many people and they start talking. Once people start talking over each other or you have somebody on and maybe they talk for five minutes, it's like, well, what was the point of having that person on? So mm. I learned over time, it's like, okay, cap it out at four, five max. And three to four is like the best forum for conversation because I think you can get a, a, you know, a diverse group in there. But at the same time, everybody gets an equal chance to speak, you know, and, and like I said, every now and then we have somebody come present and it's a subject, a, a subject specific topic. But the best part, like you're saying, is we go in there and it's kind of like uh, I wanted it to be like a bar, you know, back when I trained, yeah. and just going <laughs> in there and you're, you're there and you never know who's going to show up that week. Right. Like, like, you know, mm -hmm. me and Ryan are regulars. We're there every week. And now we got Ryan Alexander that shows up pretty regularly too. Um, but then after that, it's like whoever, whoever's showing up and it, and that's the cool part about it where you, you know, you know, Ryan and I over the years. So now you get to meet these other people and they sometimes get stuff out of us that we haven't talked about yet. And we get to hear stuff from them and, uh, you know, and it goes all over the place. I mean, it's funny because I, when I do the episode, you know, I'm taking notes as we're going through just to, so I have some idea what we talked about in case I want to clip anything or anything like that. And I look at the end of the episode, I'm like, holy shit. I'm like, we talked about like 25 different things. And I'm like, but I can only put like 10 of them in the notes, but it's, they, that's the way I wanted the conversation to go. I, I want each show. I want us to be able to talk about sports and entertainment and, you know, maybe if there's something interesting in politics, but I don't want to be one of those shows where every Monday we're coming in and we're talking politics, you know, we're talking red and blue. We're talking, you know, I, I mm -hmm. that bores the shit out of me. You know, I, my, the ADD and me, like I'm, I'm the best of both worlds with ADD and OCD. It's all over the map. So I, my attention span is short on, on stuff. So I like to do multiple topics and uh, I think it goes places too. You know, when you have a variety, like, and I always have backups, like if, if there's, you know, I feel like, okay, tonight's sh show might be slow. I'll bring a couple video clips and it's amazing. The nights that I come with the most shit prepared for, I never need it. And the <laughs> nights where I think, okay, this is going to be a great conversation. We're not going to need, you know, anything to, to get the juice flowing. Those are usually the ones that end up being like, oh man, the beginning we're like pulling teeth to get going. And uh, it's funny how it works wow. out, but it's cool. Cause like I said, 
variety of conversations, a lot of cool people. And you never know what you're going to get. I never know what I'm going to get. And I'm hosting the damn thing every week. (laughs) I think it's so cool that you, like you said, I think that's what makes for the best content and just the best, I don't know, like fellowship in general is just letting everybody kind of speak their mind and just go wherever it takes them and not having any expectation of what, you know, should be said or what should be discussed and more or less just feeding off of each other. I think that's what really makes it special. And we've had some really good discussions, right? I don't want everybody to agree. The whole point of it is that everyone doesn't agree, that we have some discord that goes back and forth. And we've had a couple really good conversations where Ryan and some of the guests just totally disagree. and, And it's great. And that's, but at the end of it, nobody's calling anybody an asshole. Nobody's leaving you know, but her at the end of the conversation, everybody leaves having a good time, you know, cause it's all in good fun. It's all meant to just be discussion. And I think that's how, you know, and, and to deal with the discussion, like we take some serious topics on there and we, you know, try and bring a little levity to them too. I think there's, there's some power to that also to be able to, you know, present difficult topics to people in a manner they're not used to so that maybe you can, you know, tickle their brain a little bit and get them interested in it to look a little bit further. Because I think a lot of people are just too set in their ways and their beliefs and, you know, what they've been indoctrinated with. And I I think the format that we give it in can open some people up because I get some people that are like, wow, that was some dumb stuff you covered, but it was fun. And then other people are like, wow, I I really, I thought that was interesting. I'm going to go look into that a little bit more. Or do you have any, you know, information that you could share on this? And if I have an old book or I have some links or PDFs, I'll shoot them over to them. I love sharing information with people. And I think that's what this is all about. Yeah. And and also uh, with conversations, a lot of times it it comes down to interest, you know, and just being in the mood at the time because. You know, I know we have to let you go here uh, pretty soon, but like, for instance, baseball, I know you're really into baseball, so actually into baseball, but like, if I can't sit there, you might as well be talking a different language, sitting there talking baseball. About, <laughs> you know? I like, I like playing baseball, you know, but it's just like, it's all about interest. And then if you're talking about certain things, oh, I can jump in on that. So like the guy that only comes on and talks five minutes, he, he's probably just kind of out of place in the conversation. Well, and some people come on too and they get caught up in it and because they've listened to the show before and they think they're listening and they forget that they're on it and that they can talk. And we've had a couple people that are like, man, sorry, I didn't talk much because I was just sitting there listening and enjoying the conversation. But uh, back to what you were saying about baseball, I'm one of those guys, like I said, I have I am have such a wide variety of interests and I've dabbled in so many things that like I, I I'm interested in. So like, I love baseball. I love my son got me back into WWE and wrestling and AEW. And uh, you know, I love Kyle, my Alabama college football. Um, Cause I think, you, you know, doing all of this research and all this serious stuff, you have to have an outlet. Because I think that there's been some people that have got swallowed by this and, you know, either their ego or the, the topics they were researching just ate at them and they had no outlet and they got sucked into it and 
it, it'll it'll do things to you. I, I loved everything you were saying, Matt. I'm a big a big baseball fan as well. I'm, I'm into wrestling. I, I haven't really kept up too much with the the current stuff, except for maybe like the behind the scenes stuff. And then and then you cut my heart, tell me you're an Alabama fan because I'm I'm a Georgia fan. I had to sit here yesterday and watch y'all. That was a great game, but it, it's it's fun, like you said, to be able to discuss more lighthearted and just fun things on top of such serious stuff as well. So it's really fun to, to hear that you're into that kind of stuff too. Yeah, man. I, I love wrestling. My son got, I used to be into it. My dad got me into it as a kid. Like his, you know, it's one of those things his dad was into it. My old, my grandpa used to call it wrestling and you know, <laughs> they used to watch it. He yeah. from upstate New York. So they used to get all the uh, Montreal and Toronto feeds and, uh, and watch the old style wrestling and it's kind of evolved. And I, you know, like I, I've told, I said, I'm Monday mass spirit. Once I hit puberty, I lost all interest. And then my son about five years ago got into it. And so ever since it's been something that he and I do together. And, you know, like Friday night, actually I'm taking him to uh, Providence, Rhode Island to go see WWE SmackDown, which is their Friday night live show. So it's cool. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's something different. You know, it's a whole talk about a different world. The the wrestling world and the people that watch it are a whole different crew of people. Man, you go to one of those shows and it's like a renaissance fair. You know, you got oh, yeah. grown men dressed up as wrestlers. Half the crowd is grown <laughs> men walking around with championship belts. They and, take it very oh, seriously. <laughs> dude, it's 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 a whole nother my son and I just laugh when we go. We're you know, we we enjoy it, but we don't take it like life or death. But there's guys there that start, you know, you think they're gonna have a heart attack screaming at the match and you know, getting in so involved in it. It's like, man, dude, relax. This is entertainment, brother. Oh yeah. Some people you would think and they, they still believe that it's a real thing going on. So I have to, I have to ask you a random wrestling question. Then what's your, like what's your son's and yours thought on CM Punk and him coming back? Are y'all, are you a big fan of his? Oh, I absolutely hate him. Okay. I hated him in WWE. I hated him in UFC. I hated him when he was in AEW and I, I hate him even more now that he's in uh, WWE again. Oh man. We, cause we were we were uh, talking about it because I I was telling him I got I had the feeling that he was coming back, and he's like no 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 it's just Randy Orton they're not they would never do that to Randy you know it's supposed to be his night and then they did the thing with CM Punk and you saw how I don't know if you saw it but when they announced him it was right at the end of the main event and Seth Rollins was giving him the finger and, you know, yelling at him and telling him he was a piece of shit. And no, a lot of the guys there were not happy about his return to say the least. Yeah. Yeah. I, I caught the end of it, but it, I always, like I said, I don't keep a lot, keep up a lot of the new stuff, but he's such a polarizing figure. He's somebody I always like to ask people about when I hear that they do keep up with wrestling. I'm, I was already out of it by the time he kind of rose to fame. So I've never really seen him as a participant, but he seems to be such a polarizing figure. It's always interesting to see what, to hear what people think about it. Yeah. He's great for the sport, you know, because you're right. He's a polarizing figure and those are usually the best characters in wrestling. But man, I, he's one I hate with a passion. Like I, I just didn't like him and the way he, I was a big UFC guy at the time. I wasn't into WWE. And when he came over, we're like, as UFC fans, like, who the, 
who does this guy think he is? Like he goes from tickle fighting and he's going to come over here and he's going to fight with the baddest dudes in the planet. And then he came in and they gave him like a, a low to mid-level guy and just got destroyed. Like took a beating like I've never seen. And but we, we did see that like with Brock Lesnar and uh, certain uh, – other athletes like um you know it's just uh the big muscles and stuff like that it doesn't that's why you see a lot of ufc fighters they're not really like big jacked guys unless you know some well, some are just genetic genetic freaks you know what you, i mean but you brought up the specimen i mean you can't brought, you Brock can't Lesner, yeah. Brock <laughs> that guy's a freak of nature you know yeah that guy came into UFC and won the heavyweight bout within like two or three fights. I mean, it, it, it he just well, his face is the size of your yeah, his hand fist is the size of your face. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I mean, he was just a mess, and he was allowed to use. Let's be honest, he was allowed to use a little heat back then. They weren't yeah. testing, so uh, yeah. I mean, it was he's just amazing, but. You know, there's certain guys. Uh, listen, I'm not saying wrestlers aren't athletes. I mean, I think. What about are- uh, Haku? You know about Haku? Oh yeah, all those guys. The Simone. So like the thing with yeah, the thing was about him though is like that's okay. So there's UFC sport fight. And yeah, they're they're badass fighters. But now you're in like a bar fight scenery where you could pick shit up and hit people with it. Like that man was like biting chunks of flesh out of people. Like that's- oh yeah. <laughs> What, I'd rather just get punched. That's what they said <laughs> just about punch me. Damn, I don't son. know if you remember Harley Race, but they said uh, Harley Race was probably one of the baddest men ever to walk the face of this earth. They go, you did yeah. not. They, they saw him do things in bar fights. I don't know if – I'm pretty sure it was him. It was either him. I can't remember the other guy's name around that era, but literally ripped a guy's eye out during a bar fight. Yeah. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, literally, other guys saw it, and they were like, what? Like, yeah. And then they, he's standing there, and he's like, yeah, I think we should probably leave now. <laughs> Good time. Yeah. It's a whole nother level, like you said, when when you're in a bar versus, like, a sanctioned fight. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and you got to fight dirty, man. So, guys, you got you to gotta equalize it somehow. The guy's a lot bigger than you. His nuts are closer. Now you can hit. You can, well, <laughs> you can low blow a lot easier. That's you know? why I, I tell my kid, I'm like, man, I'm like, listen, dude. I'm like, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm like, I've been in a couple fights in my life. But at the same time, if I could do it over, I would have ran from every single one of them. They yeah. None of them mm-hmm. were worth it. Not one of them today am I better off for having gotten into and that's what I said to him. I said, listen, man, that's why I have you in martial arts. I said, so if something does happen, you know how to handle yourself. But at the same time, if you if there's a chance, you know, if you're going to get into a fight and you have a chance to leave, just leave. Because what's the worst they're going to do? Call you name? Call you a pussy? Okay, sure. Great. But guess what? You get to fight another day. Yeah, and the other thing I tell people, too, is – uh so the guys, you know, you're you're a badass fighter, right? Some dude, he's drunk, he's talking shit, he's, you know, and all this kind of stuff. Now you beat his ass after you get mad. Now you're the bad guy. Yep. <laughs> all yes. that shit talking and everything like that, it doesn't matter anymore. You, you know, you took the, the shit when you when you whooped his ass. You know? Yeah. So. Yeah. Or or you end up getting in a fight and somebody, one of his boys, hits you from behind. You hit your head yep. on, on the concrete. Now you're a vegetable the rest of your life. I'm like. Or, 
you don't understand, man. I'm like, you, and I try to stress this to him. I'm like, listen, you are a balloon of flesh. Think of yourself uh-huh. that way. You're very delicate. You think you're invincible right now. You think you can do anything. I go, you, all you are is a marshmallow. I said, you, you could explode at any moment. And you have to understand that. And you have to learn how to take care of your marshmallow and protect that thing. Because otherwise, you're not going to be around that long. Well, the first th- the thing about ma- martial artists is you think, oh, these guys are just, it's all offense. They're just, beating, you know, punching hard and they're just strong and physical. But what it is, is they know how to defend themselves. They know how to block punches. You know, they know how to move, move out the way. You know, defense is, is the basic principle of everything. Get, don't get hit. Yeah, don't. <laughs> exactly. Don't get hit. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool, though, man. I love why he's he's been doing martial arts for a little over a year or doing uh, jujitsu. He did karate for like two years when he was little. Um, but now he's doing jujitsu and he really seems to like it, man. And it's a lot more exciting to watch as a parent because you see him really, you know, when he puts in the work. So he's having fun and you see him grow a little bit and watching him getting, you know, when he's rolling with other kids, some kids are, you know, twice his size and he's holding his own. And you're like, okay, this is, we're getting somewhere with this. Well, he understands the mechanics. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no, and that's what I'm saying. Like he's and but the, the on the other side of it, he, my, my ex-wife has to keep her guard up at all times because he's like her tackling dummy now. And anytime she puts her guard down, he is just getting her on the ground <laughs> and getting <laughs> full mount and just messing with her. It's Watch absolutely out, Mom. hilarious. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, well, and, and- oh, go ahead, Ron. I was going to say like, yeah. And then that, that right there is already massive for defending himself. That's because that's why uh, a lot of martial artists and stuff, they don't really go around and pick fights unless they got like mental issues and stuff like that, you know, because it's like, they know like the, the bounds from someone who's trained and and understands mechanics of martial arts to just some average Joe on the street, just the gap is huge. Well, the, other, the other thing too is if you're if you're getting enough time on the mats in, in your in your studio, you don't need you don't have the energy to get in street fights, you know. Yeah. And so you at that point, you're like, no, man, I'm burnt from training. I don't want to fight you. Get out of here. I got better things to do. Well, and then also, like you said too, there's always like you never know what can happen. Even if like uh, Frank Shamrock. Uh, he had one of his fight stories when he was in Home Depot. He's beating up some dude. I was like you know, starting shit with him. And uh, he said he dropped the guy and then he saw the guy get up and pull a big old knife out of his waistband. Yeah, man. Or something like that. And he said, I never ran so fast in my life. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And that's the thing. And that's the other thing today, though, too. I mean, when we were growing up, martial arts wasn't a huge thing. You know, there might have been a black belt or two in your town. Now oh, yeah, yeah. these some of these jujitsu guys, I mean, you walk they walk around, they, they look like nothing. And this guy could bend you into a pretzel and make you beg for mercy. And because there's so many more people doing it now that you don't know who you're messing with anymore, you know. And and like you were saying, Ron, you don't know who's carrying what anymore nowadays. I mean, the last thing, and that's why I keep telling my kid, I'm like, get out. I'm like, you don't know. You don't know what kind of meds this person's on. You don't know anything. Just leave. Well, there was that one Jocko guy. Uh, you know who, who he is? That Navy SEAL. Yeah, dude. Jocko Willink. 
Yeah, he said uh, his thing is he always runs. And he's like, I'm not ashamed to run because, you know, I'm just getting out of the situation. Because he's like, that same thing. If I beat these guys up and the cops show up, I look, you know what I mean? Like, not, not, you know, yeah, there's self-defense and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, you got to defend yourself. But what he says is he only defends himself when he's backed into it. Now they got him backed into a corner and he has to fight. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And that's kind of what I'm, I'm stressing to my son. It's like, hey, man. Don't let people take advantage of you. But at the same time, there's a time to fight and there's a time to just move on. There's certain people it's where, you know, if your life is in jeopardy, yeah, defend yourself and, and do what you got to do. But if it's somebody is just being an asshole, just move on. Who cares? Yeah. And that's, that's huge. You know, that's, that's huge for uh, growth and strength. Cause I always say uh, weak people look to, uh, weak people look to overpower people. Strong people look to empower people. Yep. They're strong enough to, sh to share their strength. You know, weak people have to get whatever strength they can get, you know, and feel powerful. <laughs> That's those bullies, man. That's, yeah. yeah. Oh, I fucking despise bullies. That was my pet peeve as a kid, man. I always, we had a couple in our neighborhood and it was like, man, just your your day's gonna come and it did for them too you know and it came and it was a rude awakening for them when when tides turned on them yeah i said me i had anger issues when i was younger i was a huge asshole like <laughs> there's oh, a I was lot an of asshole too. i just wasn't a bully, you know? <laughs> no yeah i wasn't a bully but i i've i've had bullies you know but yeah i've always just yeah just but yeah bullies it, it, I've heard this fucked up shit people would do. Like, damn, like from other people I know. Yeah, I like to play with people, you know, have fun. I didn't want to cross like the line where I left them in tears or anything. I like to have fun with people. And if people couldn't take a joke, I was moving on to the next person. You know, it wasn't like I was there to try and make you feel like shit. But I also like to test the waters a little bit and see how much you can take. <laughs> Well, I was going yeah. to, I know we're running up against time here, Matt. I was going to, uh, for, I think most of our listeners probably know, but if you could let people know where they can find all your stuff, all your shows and all your information. And then something I like to always add to somebody that's a wrestling fan. If you had to choose one favorite wrestler of all time, who would that be? So Ooh, I know that's, that, that, <laughs> that might be a tough question to answer very quickly, but I always like to ask. Uh, yeah, no. Well, as f I'll answer the easy stuff first. You can find all my stuff on the Great Deception Podcast, whether it's uh, Instagram, it's the Great Deception Podcast. And on Instagram, I have a link to my link tree. So uh, I do have a YouTube channel. I don't post there anymore. I got a strike for something I posted a year ago for no reason. So um, I'm staying off of there. But anybody that wants my videos, you can go over to patreon.com and the Great Deception Podcast and um, all my show episodes are up there. Uh, the videos are Monday night masturbators is for the patrons. It's kind of one of the perks, but, uh, other than that, yeah. Instagram. If you want to, if you want to hit me up on, on direct message, that's the best place to get me. Um, and then, like I said, my links in my Instagram. Now, as far as the hard question, I'm going to go with somebody that's still wrestling. He's got like four months left. I'm going to have to go. My favorite wrestler would be Sting. Damn. Good question. Good answer. Good answer. Yeah, yeah he's been he's at it for. The, he's one of those guys, kids. man. 
he was he was huge in WCW as a kid. And I was a WCW guy growing up. I loved for some reason my old man was into WCW. We used to get all the wrestling magazines. So like Sting, when he came in, that dude came in like a ball of energy. And you know, he was he went and and to watch him transition, I bought into that too. He was one of the guys that kept me, you know, kind of interested in wrestling the whole thing. Cause he then he switched from like a California surfer type sting to basically the Brandon Lee uh, crow version of sting, which totally changed the game. And he's been that for almost 20 years now. He made looking, uh, beating someone's ass with a baseball bat. Cool. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. That was his thing. Fucking people up with a baseball bat. Entire NWO with one bat. Yeah, it was great, man. And he took on everybody. He was one of those guys like, and it didn't matter if he was a baby face or a heel. It was it, it, whatever character he was playing at the time. I was all in, man. Stinger was always my guy. There's some other greats, you know, like like for the short term. I loved Warrior. Um, I loved uh, Legion of Doom. The Road Warriors were my favorite tag team of all time. Um, you know, I, I, the Dusty Rhodes WCW era was just probably my favorite in wrestling. There was just so many good guys. And then on the other side, though, in WWE, you had like the Roddy Piper era with Hogan and Piper and Macho Man. And, oh, I mean, wrestling growing up as a kid was just so good. And it, it, it's one of those things that I'm glad I got I was involved in it and got into. And because it's one of those things that stuck with me. And now I get to do it with my kid. Great answer. I love it. Awesome, man. So, uh, yeah, Matt, thanks for having you on again. And, uh, you know, everyone, make sure to go check check him out and all his work and everything like that. And uh, catch you next time on the Imaginary Thought.